mines where the sun never shines. You'll shiver when the cold wind blows. There's a grave in the pine where the sun never shines. There's a grave that's shaded with a pine. On the Slay Queens podcast, we take a deep dive into the dark side of the rainbow. This isn't just a cheesy catchphrase. It is a note to remember that the topics we discuss can be very graphic and lurid in nature. Listener discretion has been advised. Hey folks, before we get started, I just wanted to pop on and let everybody know that this episode is edited by your podcast editor. Yes, and we love our editor and you can start your own podcast and receive two edited episodes totally free. You can find him on Instagram at your podcast edit and save time and take your podcast to the next level. Ooh, Slay Queen. Hi, hi, hi. Hello, hello, hello. And welcome back. Welcome back, finally. Finally. Finally back. We did once again have a little bit of (laughs) a (laughs) forced hiatus, but we are back, 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 back again. That is right. And we are here celebrating... Pride uh, Month. Pride Month. I'm like, which which thing are we celebrating? A couple things. <laughs> but yes, Pride Month. In your defense, I threw a lot of stuff <laughs> at you right before we started recording. We're celebrating quite a few things, but first and foremost, Pride Month should always be the first thing. Happy, 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 happy pride, pride to all the queens, kings, and folks. Yes. And also welcome them back. And welcome back. And hello and hi and welcome to any new listeners. Absolutely. Absolutely. I love that. I love that. (laughs) And for anyone who's returning and anyone who's new here, Ashley, Mm -hmm. who are we and what do we do? We are the Slay Queens podcast and we take a deep dive into the dark side of the rainbow. That is correct. It had been a minute, so I was slightly unsure, but we always got to remind. Now I am reminded. So (laughs) I'm refreshed, recouped, reminded, and re. Invigorated. Reinvigorated. Ready. (laughs) Ready. Ready. Ready to kick off season four. Season four. Season four. Yeah. We have decided that this is officially going to be our kickoff of season four. So this will be season four, episode Episode one. One. And really, all that means as far as format is that we are going to kind of do a combination. Mm Of the things that we've done in previous seasons. Yeah. So stay Shake tuned. It up a bit. Yeah. Stay tuned for all of those good things. Maybe one day we will discuss a documentary yeah. that we have watched with you folks because it tells a story in a very excellent way. And maybe another day we'll say, hey, you know what? I really wanted to tell the story because it's important. There's not enough light that's been shed on it. So there's not a documentary that's been made, but we want to put it out there. Here's what we found. Into the queendom. Exactly. Here's our pseudo documentary. Exactly. uh, Podcast version. (laughs) There you go. There you go. There you go. Yes. And I think it's time for the very first Rainbow Star of season four. Rainbow Star. Yes, ma'am. And And I think you have a lot of information. So you're going to kind of guide us through this whole thing. I do. I'm going to try to guide you and the folks through this. So it is Pride Month. And we like to give back. We do. Give back to those who have done good for us and for the community and for the folks. And we want to support them in any way that we possibly can. It's important all the time, but especially this month. So for our spotlight, again, remember, we do a rainbow star here. (laughs) Rainbow because we are queer star because we do spotlights. We offer thank yous. We make announcements. And then we also offer recommendations. So... This week, season four, episode one, I would like to spotlight some charitable organizations that support queer people. So first and foremost, the Marsha P. Johnston Institute. And for anybody who's maybe unfamiliar, they protect and defend the human rights of black transgender people. And if you want to find more information about that or you want to donate to that organization, you can find them at MarshaP.org. Next, I want to spotlight the Trevor Project, which provides support services to LGBTQ youth in crisis. You can find more information about them or donate to that organization at thetrevorproject.org. And last is the last, not really last, but last (laughs) on this particular list, 
And certainly not least, the Rainbow Railroad, which helps LGBTQ people escape violence and persecution in their home countries. So essentially, if you live in a country in which it's illegal or it's dangerous or it's punishable by death for you to be a queer person, they help get you to a safe place in a safe country. I think it's such a great organization. Yeah, absolutely amazing. And if you want, again, to find more information about them or you want to donate to that organization, they can be found at rainbowrailroad.org. What a great name. I love it. I really like that. I'm obsessed. Yeah. I'm obsessed. So, Ashley, and you had a charitable organization that that you prefer to donate to that you also wanted to include in the list. The one that I regularly donate to, which would be the HRC Ohio, which is the Human Rights Campaign. And they have one in every state. And it, it's basically just a blanket kind of statement. It says that we've spent the last 40 years creating the most powerful movement for LGBTQ equality our country has ever seen. But despite this progress, our many of us are still suffering from violence, discrimination and fear. Our goal is to ensure that all LGBTQ people are treated as full and equal citizens. Here, 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 Slate Queen. And they always know how to get me with that merch. So like, you know, just donate this much. I'm like, take it all. Take it all. Just give me the rainbow stuff. (laughs) Take all of my money. (laughs) And that's how we identify each other. You know, we see the the HRC symbol on the car. That's how we know we're family. That's right. (laughs) That's right. It's the new gay handshake. That's right. (laughs) So how about thank yous? I do think we are in thank you territory officially. We are. All right. So I would like to offer a very, very special thank you to Friend of the Queen's Patreon member and overall just a joy of a human being, (laughs) our friend Amy. And the reason I want to thank Amy is because I didn't even tell Ashley this yet because I wanted to let it be a little bit of a surprise. surprise? This is the surprise. I wanted it to be a little bit of a surprise so that we got your genuine reaction. In honor of Pride Month and in honor of the Slay Queens podcast, And the things that we do for, I guess, the community, Amy felt compelled to make a $100 contribution to the Marsha P. Johnson Institute. Oh, really? Yeah. Isn't that amazing? Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Amy. That's amazing. She's, I just can't. She's just the best. What a wonderful human. She's just the best. I just. She uh, really is. Thank you so much, Amy. (laughs) We don't deserve your love and support, but we love your love and support. Yes. Thank you. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Oh, that's and amazing. Uh, we did actually do an episode with mm-hmm. Amy who guested. So please go back and yeah. let that fill your ear holes. Yeah. And it definitely ties into today's episode. It absolutely does. So either does. listen to it now or listen to it later. But I feel like it's on the same trend. Yes. It's serendipitous because there's a little bit of repeating information. Yes. Yes. We don't want to spoil what it is. No, just, we won't. We won't. No, we won't. Not just yet. See, I'm, I'm over here biting my tongue. Can yeah. you tell? <laughs> We're trying to edit ourselves a we bit are. in season four. Yeah, it's not easy. We're growing. We're trying. We're learning. Mm-hmm. But mostly we're trying. Mostly. <laughs> Maturing. All right. So, Ashley, we have some big announcements to make. We do. We do. This is exciting. This, so don't skip past this if you're a yeah, skipper. Don't I'm a skip skipper. Past so this. just yeah. like. This is important. <laughs> really listen to this. Yes, uh, please. Really let this let this also enter your ear holes. This is a for real acknowledgement. Yeah, an acknowledgement and announcement. So yes, do that's you right. want that's what to? I meant to say I meant to say announcement. Whatever. We do acknowledge that yes. this is a for yes. real announcement. Yes, that's what we're doing. Okay, so do you want to kick this off or? I mean, I can just say I'm going to let you kind of explain okay. it, but. We've been trying to make the the Patreon, you know, kind of a more in the forefront of our lives and putting more out there. And it's taken us, what, like a year to kind of decide what we were going to do with that. Exactly. So we've decided and I'm going to let you explain it then. Okay. We have made a decision that affects the Patreon. We've also made a decision that affects the regular episodes that we're putting out. And that is that we are going to start producing, I guess, or publishing regular episodes on a bi-weekly basis rather than a weekly basis. And we're going to take a third week of that month and publish a new episode to the Patreon because we, A, want the Patreon to be more appealing to the queendom, and B, we want those who have been so good about already becoming a member of the Patreon and supporting the queens to feel like they are getting more out of that membership and out of that experience. Yeah. And then the fourth week of the month, Ashley and I are going to use 
to live our lives. <laughs> That's exactly it's, right. Again, it's not that we don't prioritize the podcast because we absolutely do. Yes, and we love we love what we do. We love what we do, but we find that when we try to take on too much, we are ending up in this forced hiatus state that you all have experienced a couple of times recently. And we want to try to avoid that happening unexpectedly if we can. So to have a greater work slash podcast slash life balance, we think it would be better for us if we were only producing three episodes a month as opposed to the four. And again, we're going to be publishing two of those to all the streaming platforms. And the third episode will be available to the Patreon members. To our members, all the folks that have supported us and will support us from here on out. Right? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I don't know where I was going with that, but it worked. It worked. <laughs> it absolutely did work. And speaking of the Patreon and maybe people engaging the Patreon and becoming members and donating to the Patreon a little bit more so. An extra uh, motivation, if you exactly, will. Exactly. An extra motivation is that we have a certain amount of funds that are in the Patreon now. And anything that we collect through the end of the month, we have decided that we are going to donate to, we've been inspired by Amy, we're going to donate to one of the charitable organizations that we've talked about today. Sure. So if you would like to support us in that endeavor, we encourage you to either sign up for the Patreon sometime during Pride Month, and we will utilize those funds to donate to these organizations. Or if you just want to go in and make like a one-time donation That's on the Patreon, too. that is absolutely amazing as well. And you can find us easily on Patreon to do those things by searching Slay Queen's Pot. Just like everywhere else. Just like everywhere else. All right. I have been rambling and rambling and rambling. <laughs> but these it's are important these, information. Yeah, these are very important announcements. And these, this is very important information. Now I am going to just volley back over to you, Ashley, mm-hmm, for mm-hmm. recommendations. Yeah, yeah. All right. What you got for us? Honestly, I can't believe it took me this long to watch them, but we've been watching the Conjuring series. Ooh, love that. I am obsessed with Lorraine. I feel like I want to be her. I want to wear <laughs> those like high collars. Yeah. I'm like, that is a total like fashion statement, mm-hmm. a movement. I love her. So What I did, because I'm a total nerd brain, especially when it comes to anything like paranormal or anything like that, I knew that there was a lot of movies in this series, and I had seen Annabelle and The Nun. So before we watched the first Conjuring movie, I went ahead and I looked up what they would all be in chronological order. (laughs) Oh, that's awesome. Currently, that's what we're doing is just kind of going in chronological order, because I know that some come out, there are sequels, some are prequels, and it just messes with my head too much. So. That's how I do it nowadays, and I highly recommend that if you haven't watched the series or haven't watched all of them, just look it up. And it's so funny because a friend of mine just today sent me like an Instagram page that had written them out in chronological yeah. order, and I was like, well, now I have a pocket-sized version. That's amazing. Perfect. But yeah, I recommend, if you haven't watched those movies, they're really good. I have watched, I think, all of the films, okay. but very... Well, because the new one just came out. That's exactly. what motivated Yeah, we watched the new one uh, this past it? weekend as well. I liked it. Okay, okay, good. I liked it. Good. But I have never watched them in that way. I've never watched them in chronological yeah. order. And now I feel very compelled to do so because I think it'll make so much more sense to me. Exactly. That's genius. I love it. Thank you for that. Of course. Do you have one? Do you have a recommendation? I do. I had a completely different recommendation, but you and I were talking off mic when I first got here. And I have been watching a lot of hot ones. Okay. I had a feeling it was going to be this. <laughs> I have been watching a lot. I, I'm obsessing over them recently, actually. Yeah. And I have to say that it's a really, really, really cool show. A really cool concept. Mm-hmm. If we ever make any sort of a name for ourselves, like out in the, the public eye, please invite me on. I'm going to be horrible at it, but like, I just want to be there. I have binged many episodes in the last few days, and I have to say the things, plural, that I have learned are that Zoe Kravitz is a badass bitch. Oh my God, you didn't, I don't need that show to tell me that. Same with Halsey. Badass bitch. And also Halle Berry. Badass bitch. I can totally see that. Yeah. That does not surprise me. And on the negative side, please don't hate me, please don't sue me, please don't at me. 
Billie Eilish was not not my fave. I know, it's kind of sucking. Yeah, did not enjoy that Mm -hmm. at all. And basically all the like super white folks (laughs) who go on that that. show are a little bit of an embarrassment. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And uh, I also told you off mic that Tyra Banks was was pretty awful as well. I mean, I've that's and I yeah, I've kind of really disliked her strongly disliked her since what like the late 90s when that show was on i not traditionally enjoy her Mm -hmm. but i definitely saw her in a light in this that was not attractive i just enjoyed her um her judges really Yes, yes, Nigel Barker. Mm. Yeah, wasn't Janice Dickinson on that? Janice for a while Dickinson too? was the original, like three or four seasons. Yeah, but then she went I a little, uh, little cuckoo, which I thoroughly enjoyed. I'm yeah. like, keep her on, but yeah. they kind of butted heads, I'm sure. So. Yeah. But yeah, I can totally see that. Yeah. There was, um, is it basically just like a documentary type where they kind of like interview them and stuff? Or well, is there more? It's to essentially, it? it's essentially a talk show with oh, okay. a host and an interviewee. It just so happens that they're eating these hot wings that increase That's in the right. level of heat. I've seen clips from this yes. now, now that you're yes. saying that. Okay. And like I said, some of these people are just complete badasses and they're just genuinely cool human beings and they go in and they handle themselves very well. Some people don't. I could see like and, Post Malone being on that and doing yeah. amazing. And most of the, let's just be honest, most of the Caucasian folks who <laughs> don't handle spicy food super well. Uh, yeah. And that's not, I don't mean that to sound stereotypical, stereotypical <laughs> but it's like, it's out there. But most of them even say it. They're like, oh, I'm not a big fan of spicy food. And they end up doing horribly. And it's just kind of an embarrassment. See, now I want to get famous just for a minute just so I can go on there yeah. and just oh I would do horrible show up no I love spicy food I yeah. don't think I got taste buds any- I got t- I don't think I have ha- taste buds anymore really <laughs> <laughs> all right so that was a long it was. opening a long introduction but I think but we needed a little bit of uh did. serious information and then a little Absolutely. bit of nonsense a little bit of light-hearted information and again this- if you skipped ahead and you're hearing this now Go back because some important things were set. Go back at least to the uh, announcements. Please and thank you. Please thank you kindly. And then should we take a break before we drop this massive, yes. <laughs> like massive story? It is a massive major story. Major in history. It's huge. Very applicable to it's, what we're celebrating. It's Yeah. And it's taken us, what, like three years to finally... To Tell finally get we here. Ready. We weren't ready. We weren't, we weren't ready. ready, but I think I think we're there. We're there now. I think we're there. Here All right, let's are. take a quick break and we will come right back. Okay, okay. Are you ready for this? I do believe I am, yes. Yeah, I'm yeah. so excited. I'm going to try to do justice. This is going to be just you in all of your glory, and it's going to be so good. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure about all of that, but hopefully it'll be me at least in some sort of glory. Yeah, well... <laughs> I also want to acknowledge, I mean, we're in the Midwest. I don't know if the mic's going to pick this up, but the cicadas are real right now. It is jarring how how real it is, actually. So if you do hear when there's like a lull, if you just hear some random buzzing, it's not us. (laughs) I can hear them actually right now over my headset. Yeah. Yeah. So so that's a a bit jarring. It is. But anyways, so yeah, back to where we're supposed to be. (laughs) Okay. So today Mm -hmm. we are going to talk about whom, Ashley? Oh, none other than the one, the only, Marsha P. Johnson. Marsha, pay it no mind, Johnson. (laughs) I wasn't sure if I should say the full name or if you would want to throw that in there, but I feel like Typically, I do the shorthand and then you say the full though. So that's our thing. (laughs) I like it. Okay. So before we dive into this incredible story, I will cite my sources because I did watch some documentaries and and some things, but I really just wanted to combine all of the things. Sure. All of the things. Because there's a decent amount out there, honestly. I think I watched multiple things. There's a good bit out there for Marsha P. Johnson, and I keep referencing us, like, speaking off mic. I am so happy that there is this much out there and this much recognition regarding her legacy, but you and I think both agreed that we wish that there was this much for Sylvia Rivera. Absolutely. Because, honestly, if you really dive into the research... 
it seems like she was kind of more so on the forefront of the movement. Yeah, we were we were both kind of getting that. And yeah. we both kind of said, though, probably because she was around longer. I mean, unfortunately, she it lived was a longer that life. way. But yeah, I definitely felt like in all of the research that we did or I did, you did, we did. Yeah, there's definitely there should be more specifically about her. And not to discount anything that Marsha did, oh, of course because not. we're going to talk about all of it and we're going to praise it as much as we possibly can. But also, I think most of the documentaries and the interviews and, and people who were around at the time would agree that Sylvia was just a little more outspoken. Yes, much louder. <laughs> also, for me, puts her kind of at the head of the resistance, the head of the fight. Definitely. So we just wanted to kind of plug that and uh, hopefully, hopefully we'll have the opportunity at some point to do a full episode on Sylvia as Absolutely. well. All right. But back to my sources. Got a lot of information from blackpast.org. I also read a really fantastic, I'm not sure if it was an article or a blog just because the way that it was formatted, uh, but it was published on a website called Wattpad. That's W-A-T-P-A-D.com, Wattpad.com. Also, medium.com, hrc.org, the newyorktimes.com, legacyprojectchicago.org, and then I got some good information from pbs.org. Wow. And then, yeah, I- She I, did her research. I, she did a deep dive on this one, darling. Okay. All right, so are we ready for this? Let's do it. I'm so ready. Right. So today, I wasn't exactly sure how I wanted to write this up, and I actually started it one way and then said, I'm not happy with that. I was totally thinking to myself, you're just like me, and we overanalyze things. And yeah. when I was watching a full documentary, I was like, he probably had to redo this so many. Where yes. do you even start? How do you start exactly. this? <laughs> exactly. That's where I was. I was like, how do you even start this? Mm-hmm. And it's funny because, well, well you'll see. Yeah. All right. It. Today, we pose the question, who was Marsha P. Johnson? Well, I'm glad you asked. <laughs> Marsha, pay it no mind, Johnson both was and is many things to many people. So to properly begin to answer this question, because I had no idea where to start, mm-hmm. let's start at the most logical place, the beginning. Okay. Right? That's the one yeah. that made the most sense to me. Who was she to her family? Marsha was born on August 24th of 1945 in Elizabeth, New Jersey, the fifth of seven children in a working class family. Her father, Malcolm Michaels, was on the assembly line at the local General Motors factory, and her mother, Alberta Claiborne, was a housekeeper. Though assigned male at birth, it was around the age of five when Marcia started identifying as a transgender female and began openly wearing dresses in her neighborhood. She soon felt pressured to stop this, however, due to bullying and harassment from neighbor boys. Sadly, teasing and abuse from her peers only worsened over the years, and Marsha is said in an interview, an interview that she actually gave near kind of the end of her life, that as a child, she had actually been sexually assaulted by at least one of her bullies. That was really hard to watch. It was really hard to watch, and it was really hard to hear her describe. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was tough. So content warning if anybody goes out and watches some of these documentaries and and things that... I think that was in... Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, no, no. I think that was in the YouTube one that we watched, and and she doesn't leave anything out, I will say. (laughs) No, no, she's very explicit in her details. She began attending Mount Teeman African Methodist Episcopal Church. That's a mouthful. As a child. (laughs) I was like, good for you. (laughs) Yeah. And practiced Christian faith throughout her entire life. Marcia was also drawn to Catholicism and visited houses of worship of other religious denominations frequently throughout her lifetime. She graduated from Thomas A. Edison High School in Elizabeth, New Jersey in 1963 and promptly moved to New York City Famously, I've heard this accounted in so many different places, famously with $15 to her name and one bag of clothing. That's it. Pop off, sis. That is, that's that's fierce. (laughs) That's that's a strong ass woman. Mm -hmm. All right. This is ultimately what led Marsha to take up residence in the historic Greenwich Village area. This was a part of town that was known for its American bohemian culture and colorful artsy residents. So it was the queer district. Let's just be honest. It was, <laughs> it, the was queer it is, it will always be. It will always be. It, <laughs> it was. does have a whole vibe there. It's yeah. like nothing you'll ever experience. Yeah, but 
that extended all the way back to 1963 and beforehand, apparently. Yeah, that's that's pretty mind-blowing. All right, now that brings us to who was Marsha to the Greenwich Village? Mm -hmm. Once again, she was many things to many people. She was an advocate. She was an activist. She was a friend. She was one of the first transgender women to become a regular patron of the now historically famous Stonewall Inn. She was a drag artist who often performed wearing handmade crowns made of flowers or even with Christmas lights in her hair. She was a person who battled severe mental illness and who struggled with her own behavioral health. Marcia was usually destitute and effectively homeless, supporting herself with the scarce income she earned as a sex worker. Despite those hard realities, she was known for her generous, optimistic, friendly personality often giving away what few material possessions she actually had to her name simply when somebody complimented them. Oh, you like this flower crown? Here, have it. Oh, you like my scarf? It's yours. Take it. And uh, nearly every interview and everybody I've ever seen had anything to say about Marsha had one of these stories. Absolutely. Had one of these, oh, she always just gave away her things. Mm -hmm. And that comes back up a little bit later when people talk about kind of the nearing the end of her life. They're like, well, she was giving away her things and... All of that. Yeah, all of that. But put a pin in that. It'll come back up again later. She was a fixture in the street life of Greenwich Village for nearly 30 years. And last in this particular list, but certainly not least, she was a central figure in the queer liberation movement, which was energized by the 1969 raid on the Stonewall Inn. That's right. And you know, we can't tell this story without discussing the Stonewall riots. And the shot glass heard around the world. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Just as a bit of background here, though Greenwich Village was one of the most tolerant places for queer people at the time, and still is, as we said, the police who patrolled the district frequently harassed and discriminated against anyone that didn't conform to sexual and or gender norms. Although New York had downgraded sodomy from a felony to a misdemeanor offense in 1950, persecution of queer people and criminalization of their activities were still very common. Same-sex dancing in public was prohibited. The state liquor authority banned bars from serving queer people alcoholic beverages. People could actually be charged with sexual deviancy and have to register as sex offenders if they were caught, quote, air quotes, cross-dressing. Oh my, I have not heard that term since like the 90s. Which is why I I was a little hesitant to say it, but it was quotes, air quotes. But that's what it is. Yeah, exactly. exactly. It's just, that's what it was called. Yeah. Police enforcement was often arbitrary. Enforcement of these laws and statutes and prohibitions and whatnot. And for anyone who may not be familiar with what arbitrary is, its definition is, quote, based on random choice or personal whim rather than reason or system. Which brings us to the Stonewall Inn specifically. With the aforementioned restrictions against the queer community in place, the New York Mafia saw a business opportunity. In 1966, a member of the Genovese or Genovese crime family named Fat Tony. You know, Tony was his name. When we talked about Stonewall, I'm pretty sure I didn't even look it up and I just said Genovese. So I'm not sure. I'm not (laughs) sure either. I think I only said that because of like Kitty Genovese. Like that was her last name. And I remember like Googling the hell out of it. Like, was she related? Was she somehow? Is that like her family? No, it's not. But anyway, she lived in the same area. Yeah, It makes sense, right? It's it's a common connection. Could there be a connection? Yeah. But yeah. So I'm glad that you said Genovese because it might be. If anybody knows, please feel free to let me know. (laughs) All right, so Fat Tony saw a business opportunity and he renovated the space at a low cost and reopened the Christopher Street Club as a gay bar, bribing the 6th District Law Enforcement $1,200 a month to turn a blind eye to the goings on at the establishment. That's a lot of money. That's a lot of money in a day. Now and even like then, I can't even imagine what that would feel like. Yeah. Wow. Despite the police payoffs, the Stonewall Inn was not exempt from state laws or from regular raids. Mm -hmm. However, because of those payoffs, owners were often warned ahead of time, and in turn, bargoers were also warned to be off of the premises before police arrived. Yeah, sure. Most of the time. 
Now that we know about Stonewall, let's talk about the riots. And the interesting thing about doing any type of research on the Stonewall riots is that there is often more than one account of how things went down, right? Oh, absolutely. It's kind of a mixed bag of like both facts and legend. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to give the story that is A, most supported by the research that I did, and B, makes most or makes the most sense to me. Because I think we often say on this podcast, and when you and I are just talking about true crime and whatnot, usually the simplest explanation is the correct explanation, right? Is the true story. I was thinking it and I knew you were going to say it, but if you didn't, I was going to. So yeah, you're right. Okay. So it all starts with the queer icon, Judy Garland. (laughs) Yes. Judy had just passed away on June 22nd of 1969, and her funeral had actually taken place on June 27th. Legend would suggest that the queer community, mourning the loss of such an international treasure, stayed out a bit later than usual on that fateful night, which means that the folks at Stonewall were, well, they were well-sauced and they were pissed off, Mm -hmm. right? They were pissed off and they were boozed when members of the New York City Vice Squad Public Morals Division raided the bar around 1.20 a.m. on early morning of June 28th. So they were out late into technically the next day. So the riots technically took place on June 28th. The police, of course, started doing a bunch of really effed up things that I'm not going to go into like a ton of detail about because it's very cringy, but just know that that included harassing, brutalizing, and arresting all the queer people in the place and doing a lot more that is not okay. Very, very violent. Very violent, very intrusive, very rapey. For it kind does of a come lack of a better way. term. Yeah. Some of the stories that you hear, you're just like, that, that is some serious abuse. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. According to Stonewall historians, it is extremely likely that in response to police arresting and brutalizing her biracial transgender friend, whose name was Stormy, Marcia screamed, I got my civil rights, before throwing a shot glass, narrowly missing a police officer's head breaking a mirror and inciting others to join in the resistance. Thus the legend of what, Ashley? The shot glass heard around the world. Absolutely. Other versions of the story would actually have Marsha picking up and throwing a brick into the mirror. But I've also read like accounts and articles that say that the incident with the brick actually happened after the rioting had moved out into the streets, mm-hmm. which makes more sense, right? Supposedly, she threw the shot glass, broke the mirror, like the the resistance ensued, the rioting ensued. It eventually moved out into the street on the sidewalk. There was a brick. Yeah, there was a brick. She picked it up and she threw the brick at one of the cop cars, breaking a window of the cop car. See, I remember that story, that part of the story Mm -hmm. being told to me. I think the last time I was the only time I was there was was like 22, 10 years ago. And I remember that story. I didn't know about the shot glass heard mm-hmm. around the world at that point. But being specifically at that bar, I was told that story yeah. by the bartender about the brick and the cop car and all of that. So interesting, because to me, it was always a brick, but it could just be both. Yeah. And that, that's exactly what I have in yeah. my notes next. I've never been told those stories together. I've always one or the only other. been told one or the other. Yeah. Exactly. It depends on who, where you were then. Exactly. And literally... The next thing I have in my note is, I think both are correct. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Both seem to tend to make sense to me if you, again, consider the simplest explanation. Yeah. She's in the bar. She's got access to what? A brick or a shot glass. Yeah. Makes more sense that she's got access to a shot glass, right? Sure. And then everything moves. things are going. It escalates. Things move out onto the street. Okay, there's a brick. She picks it up and she tosses it at a cop car. There's a whole lot of hullabaloo going on. I got my civil rights. Exactly. Uh, Yes. That's a a whole like mood. Absolutely. Why are there not shirts or sashes or memes or something? I've always wondered some of her quotes that I'm like, why are we not? Using more of this for, like, the pride gear that comes out every June. You know what I mean? Agreed. Maybe we should do a Slay Queens. Yeah, like uh, a pride collection. A pride collection that just says, I got my civil rights. I got my civil rights. We're going to work on that. Yeah. We're going to work on that after this. Absolutely we are. Yes, absolutely. Okay. Sorry, 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 sorry. (laughs) We we get easily distracted. We're like, oh, a rainbow. (laughs) (laughs) Glitter. (laughs) All right. So 
Like I said, we know that things escalated from inside the bar. They moved out into the street and the queer patrons of Stonewall, again, were forced into the street where a larger crowd began to gather as the police who started this whole thing took cover, a.k.a. barricaded themselves inside the bar, inside the Stonewall Inn. Yep. Which is the most cowardice thing. Absolutely. You literally came in here to destroy us. And now you're taking our space and using it as your own like sanctuary from from us now. Yeah. It's ridiculous. I can't imagine the rage whenever I watch anything or hear anything about this. I'm like, if I were there, I don't even know how hysterical I would be. You know what I mean? Just in a frenzy. Well, I mean, I you know, what's really funny is that I almost said like completely unprompted and not even thinking about how much historical truth there was to it. Mm -hmm. I was going to respond to you by being like, I'd burn that motherfucker down. And they did. Uh, Like they didn't burn it down, but they set fire to it. Mm -hmm. And that's exactly the sort of reaction like any sassy, like queer person would have. Like, I'm about to burn this motherfucker (laughs) down. (laughs) So there's rioting taking place in the streets. More people are gathering. More people are rioting. More police show up. And they actually sent out like, what do they call them? Those like, big squads or whatever they are like SWAT or something. SWAT SWAT yes they <laughs> sent SWAT SWAT was there police were there they were trying to end the rioting and despite all of those efforts people kept raging until about 4 a.m. when things finally started to settle down and the resistance at that particular time stopped however the movement what the movement however the spark if you will had uh, ignited And something happened not only in the United States, but in many other countries in the days that followed. The first gay pride parades were held Mm -hmm. and officially the queer liberation movement had begun. The first pride was a riot. The first pride was, in fact, a riot. And the first pride was essentially thanks to transgender people of color. That's exactly right. And we need to acknowledge and respect that. Know our her story. Exactly. We need to acknowledge and respect that much more so than I think the general queer or at least the general gay Mm -hmm. population does. Yeah. No, I'm with you. So that brings us to after Stonewall. After Stonewall, who was Marsha P. Johnson to the world? Who did she become? Though most worldwide interest in Marsha P. Johnson's legacy came after her untimely death, many who knew her during these years of her life, so this is after Stonewall, before her untimely death, referred to the woman as Saint Marcia. She has been praised worldwide for her insistent calls for social and economic justice, for her work on behalf of homeless street youth ostracized by their families for being queer or otherwise not conforming to the traditional ideas of gender, sexuality, et cetera, et cetera. Additionally, many in the transgender community have also come to hail Marsha and her longtime friend and colleague, Sylvia Rivera, as pioneering heroes. Because together in 1970, so this is a year after the Stonewall riots, the two women founded the Street Trans Action Revolutionaries, or Star House, as it later came to be known. Starhouse is historically recognized as being one of the very first organizations in the United States to help young, queer, and transgender people find shelter, find food, and find a welcoming home or community. In 1972, as the face of the resistance, she actually traveled around the world, and she had the opportunity to perform with the popular drag theater company, Hot Peaches. And (laughs) if you have the opportunity to YouTube or Google any of those performances or any of just the work that Hot Peaches did, I highly recommend it because it's very entertaining. Then in 1975, Andy Warhol immortalized Marsha, featuring her in a screen print portfolio of drag queens and transgender merrymakers at the popular New York nightclub, Gilded Grape. In 1980, which was actually a very life-changing year for Marsha, she was invited to ride in the lead car of the New York's annual Gay Pride Parade, and she finally had the opportunity to get off of the streets permanently, and she began living in the home of her close friend, a gay activist by the name of Randy Wicker. The home was in Hoboken, New Jersey. She lived there with Randy, caring for his partner, David Combs, as he was sick and ultimately died from AIDS in 1990. 
Marsha felt very strongly, very compelled, and very passionate about those that were affected by the HIV and the AIDS crisis. So grieving for her friends and her whole community that was affected by said crisis, she could often be found praying before a statue of the Virgin Mary at the Catholic community of Saints Peter and Paul in Hoboken. Marsha was also an AIDS activist attending protests and meetings of the ACT Up organization. That's an AIDS advocacy organization in New York. And now, since this is in fact a true crime podcast, we consider the final question or questions rather, the sad, tragic questions. Who was Marsha P. Johnson at the end of her life? Was she a victim of suicide? Was she the victim of a tragic accident or was she the victim of foul play murder? Murder. Shortly after New York Pride in 1992, Marsha's body was discovered floating in the Hudson River off of the Christopher Street Pier in Greenwich Village. Investigators initially ruled it a death by suicide, but friends and members of the local queer community insisted that though she did in fact struggle with her behavioral health and with mental illness, Marsha was never suicidal. Additionally, those who witnessed her body pulled from the river suspected foul play due to a large wound they noted to her head. Her roommate, Andy Wicker, said that he believed Marsha may have hallucinated and walked into the river by accident or possibly jumped into the river to escape a group of men who may have been harassing her. See, there were several witnesses who reported a group of, quote, thugs in the area robbing people and harassing Marsha during that same time that she was thought to have gone missing. Another neighborhood resident said that he actually saw Marsha on July the 4th fighting with a man who later bragged to someone at a local bar that he, quote, killed a drag queen named Marsha. Reportedly, that witness was not successful in relaying this information to the police, which There was no explanation of, it just kind of sounds to me like nobody wanted to take this report from him. Yeah. You know what I mean? Nobody gave a damn. Most of those close to the case would allege that law enforcement didn't follow up on any of these witness statements or witness accounts and were quick to rule the death a suicide because they were uninterested in investigating the death of a queer black person. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Even still, the documentary on Netflix that I'll recommend later, I think you watched too, The Mm -hmm. Death and Life of Marsha P. Johnson. There's someone trying to investigate this, like, even to this day, really, and getting answers from, like, retired police officers and things, like, to the effect of, you shouldn't be doing your own investigating. Leave it to the people who, it's their job. And it's like, wow, wow, wow. Okay, we're still doing this. Yeah, absolutely. So many fought to have Marsha's case reopened over the years, including former New York politician Tom Duane who I just did a quick Google search. He was apparently the first openly gay state senator from the state of New York. Oh, so, okay. Slay Queen. Wow. Senator Dwayne was actually successful. The case was reopened, reclassified, and Marsha's cause of death was actually changed from suicide to undetermined. Then in 2016, Victoria Cruz of the Anti-Violence Project there began. There she is. There she is. <laughs> She actually began investigating Marsha's case, gaining access to previously unreleased documents and witness statements, leading her to believe that the cause of death was a probable murder. She did her work. She really did her work. This documentary, you can really see. And I'm just like, wow, I'm just so impressed with her and her perseverance. Yeah, she was a true professional. You could tell that she had been working for the anti-violence project for quite some time. She was very experienced, very seasoned. And... She had passion behind it because she had actually known Marsha and been mm-hmm. Marsha's friend yeah. in the community. There was a moment when she calls. I don't remember exactly who she was calling at the moment, but it's one of the first phone calls that she makes. And once they say, you know, are you a lawyer? And she says no. And she says where she's, you know, from. Yeah. That mood of that person on the other line, it changed so quick, honey. Yeah. It was just like, well, I can't I can't give you anything. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The the tone yes. changed. Everything about Completely the conversation changed. changed. Absolutely. And as we've mentioned a couple of times, the investigation, Victoria's investigation, Mm -hmm. was actually filmed as a Netflix documentary titled The Death and Life of Marsha P. Johnson. I keep doing the same thing, though. (laughs) Which was released in 2017. 
And uh, as I've already said, I actually did watch the documentary in preparation for the podcast today. And most of what led Victoria to suspect foul play are things that I mentioned earlier. They were just talked about in the documentary in greater detail with actual witness accounts, interviews, et cetera, et cetera. There were a couple of other theories that were discussed or, or considered things like a mafia hit of sorts mm-hmm. and like crooked cops being involved and whatnot. Nothing that, in my opinion, seemed super plausible. No, I agree. Because of the things that we found out right after that, mm-hmm. which was so for me, I think the most compelling thing was the autopsy report. Absolutely. One of the previously unreleased documents that she gained access to was Marsha's autopsy report, which Victoria took to an acquaintance of hers who happened to be a medical examiner. So someone who was completely independent of the New York City law enforcement system. Yeah, and it was not easy for her to obtain. I will say that. it was not. This was Dr. Michael Bodden. And he confirmed that oh, and the, he's he's the shit man. He is. He really he is, is famous, and he's amazing. I love and this man. We love him. He confirmed that the information contained within the report indicated that Marcia had in fact been alive when she entered the Hudson River, as indicated by the water that they found within her lungs. Mm-hmm. So the actual cause of death was drowning. He also confirmed that a violent assault could be ruled out because there was no impact injury noted anywhere on the body. He went on to explain that the wound witnesses had noted to Marsha's head was actually just skin slippage, which is commonly seen in drowning victims. We know that because we are true crime folks. (laughs) Because we watch too much stuff. Absolutely too much. Or is it just the perfect amount? Just the right amount, I think, actually. Exactly. Also, that there was no damage to Marsha's skull or to her brain. So there were no fractures. There was no bleeding within the brain, which might have indicated, again, traumatic injuries to the head. Dr. Bodden also confirms that if Marsha forcibly entered the water or entered the water under duress, so if she were thrown into the river or if she fell in or jumped in because she was running from someone that she was afraid of, this would be considered homicide. But that has to be determined by the findings of the police investigation, which seems to be, yeah, eye roll. Exactly. (laughs) Which seems to be eye roll. They couldn't hear it, but I saw it and that was perfect. (laughs) Did I do it? I didn't even realize that I did it. Seems to be eye roll, eye roll emoji. (laughs) All right. He reminds everyone that there is no statute of limitations on murder, leaving Victoria, Marsha's family, and the audience hopeful that someday we will have all the answers. Because as of now, we don't have we really don't. all of the answers. As of right now, that's the end. That's the end of what was the amazing life, but the tragic death of Marsha, pay it no mind, Johnson. Yeah. And in watching that documentary, too, I think one of the things that gave me such a big, I don't know, emphatic reaction was watching all of her friends and peers just screaming at police. Like, I mean, I think one person was yelling like, you know, they're doing nothing. They're just sitting on their lazy fat asses. And I'm like, that's right, honey, keep going. And they, and like one officer finally says like, I don't think we're going to, we're going to come to an agreement that's going to meet your satisfaction today. And it's like, that's not the response that we're looking for. We're looking for, okay, we'll work on it. You know, it's how hard is it just to say, we see you and we hear you and we're going to help you. And that's what most People who experience any sort of like true problem with most queer people who experience any sort of true problem. That's that's what we want, right? Mm -hmm. We want someone who can make the situation even a little bit better. A little bit better (laughs) to say, I see you, I hear you, and we're going to do whatever is within our power to make this situation better for yes, you. because it's Even BS. in the smallest measure. Yes, it's because it's BS. Exactly. <sighs> so yeah, that's the story. That is the story. What do you have for us, Ashley? I have just a couple of, so there's a couple of different things out there to watch and read and everything about this amazing, wonderful human that we so do not deserve. One of the ones that you had actually sent me was a recommendation from you that I will recommend on YouTube was the It's called Pay It No Mind, The Life and Times of Marsha P. Johnson. And it kind of starts off 
here on YouTube. I have it pulled up and there's three different little like quotes you okay. know, from her that I just wanted to put out there because it just shows kind of her personality a little bit. And the first one is what's the point of complaining? It don't get you nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> and I might be crazy, but that don't make me wrong. <laughs> exactly. I love that's my new favorite. That, I'm like, I'm hashtag that's mine forever. We legitimately need to do, even if it's late in the game, yeah. we need to take like three of these quotes or, or something, three of our favorites mm-hmm. and do just like a pride edition, Marsha P. Johnson edition of our merch. So stay tuned for that, folks. Yeah, I love that idea. And my favorite one, that's a little bit... I don't want to use the word ominous because it's not the right word, but it kind of like it's like that thing of like it makes you feel like she's still out there like watching and it is nobody promised you tomorrow. Yeah. Which I love. I mean, that's such a simple, easy thing to say, but some people need to be reminded of that. We often do need to be reminded of that. Plus, when I saw that, it led me or I don't say led me, gave me the feeling that Marsha was I don't know how to put this. She was with it enough, for lack of a better term. Mm -hmm. She was grounded. Yeah. She was grounded enough, even though maybe she suffered from some behavioral trouble, et cetera, et cetera. She was grounded enough in reality to Mm -hmm. know that she shouldn't take anything or any moment for granted. Which a lot of us lose sight of. Exactly. I mean, most of us do. So that one, it's a documentary as well. And it's a lot more just interviews with her, interviews with her friends. Now, the one on Netflix and this one kind of overlap with some of the interviewers or interviewees, I guess I should say. But Michael Musto yes. is in this one. Pass around party bottom. Yeah. <laughs> I can never look at him the same anymore, but it's true. Michael Musto is interviewed in this one, which I love. Another, it's actually a 15-minute movie that's on Amazon Prime. It's called Happy Birthday, Marsha. I did not get around to watching this one, but I do still really want to because it does have four and a half stars. Came out in 2018. And it says it's a film about iconic transgender artists and activists, Marsha Pay It No Mind Johnson, and her life in the hours before she ignited the 1969 Stonewall riots in New York City. But yeah, I mean, it's a short film, which I was a little bit surprised by, but I definitely want to get it in there. And I think that everybody should, you know, give it a look if you've got Amazon. But my favorite that I wanted to kind of leave us on a lighthearted note was I wanted to read you some reviews from Rotten Tomatoes because there's also a movie out there. If you kind of just Google like movies about Marsha Johnson. Right? Okay. There's a movie that came out in 2015, apparently called Stonewall. Do you I... remember when this came out? There's no like real. Vaguely. I feel like I might have remembered seeing it and be like, oh yeah, I should yeah. go see that, right? Yeah. So it is a 9% on Rotten Tomatoes. Nine? Nine. Zero nine? Like, yes, 9%. Ooh, okay. So the director is Roland Emmerich, which is also the director of uh, like Independence Day and White House Down. Okay. And you see where we're... So he comes with a good resume, (laughs) right? A certain kind of resume. A certain, a a very specific type of resume. Yeah. So the description sounds good, right? It says, kicked out by his parents, a gay teenager, Jeremy Irvine, leaves small town Indiana for New York's Greenwich Village, where growing discrimination against the LGBT community leads to riots on... June 28th, 1969. So let me just read some of these reviews because I now kind of really want to watch this just Mm -hmm. so I can see how bad it is. Exactly. Like when you know that it's that bad, Mm -hmm. like you kind of have to. One of these says, it feels like Emmerich couldn't help but make his Stonewall a mashup of my own private Idaho and Independence Day. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, wow. One of them says... In this movie, the density of failure was approaching showgirls levels, <laughs> which I like that movie, but I know it's well, kind of like an unpopular opinion. It's kind of epically bad. Like, it's so bad yeah. that it has this cult following and you yeah. you garner a certain amount of enjoyment over just the cheeseballness of it's it. It's true. No, yeah. you're right. And I think because it would always be like on TV at night when I was a kid, yeah. it's kind of like nostalgic for me to watch yeah. it. I'll just do a couple more of these because they make me laugh. Um, Stonewall is like a bargain bin musical adaptation, not a tribute to gay activism triumph. (laughs) (laughs) Jeez. And then this one, that such a canny manipulator of audiences could grind out a melodrama so grating and cliched is hard to imagine. These people are are just going in. And I I mean, I implore you, if you've got a few minutes of time... 
These were probably people from the queer community who had great expectations for this movie and the telling of this amazing story who were left feeling very disappointed. Yeah. And probably a bit pissed off. Yeah. And pretty much this just kind of sums it up. It says it's a high school play ready version of the riots, a version more focused on outside characters and related inspiring lessons than even the riots themselves and wears the rosiest color glasses, which we love to say it should say rosiest, right? Rosiest Rosiest. (laughs) colored glasses about the dynamics of the era in which it took place. So really, to me, it just comes off like this was a man who in no way, shape or form should have tried to put out what trauma and I want to say trauma, but I also want to say what a movement started. Yeah. You know, it's so many different things, so many different emotions, so many different vibes and feelings all rolled into one. And he's not a queer person. Is exactly. He? No. <laughs> so he's not a queer person. No. So if you can't empathize, sympathize truly and understand mm-hmm. the story and the feeling behind it and the impact that it made and still makes every day. Yeah then are you really going to adequately tell that story? No, mm-hmm. no, obviously probably. not. Not 9% on Rotten Tomatoes. Probably not. And so one thing also, too, I wanted to say was the big connection with Andy Warhol. I'm a big, I've always been into yes. Andy Warhol, always been a fan, always been obsessed since I was younger. So I will recommend that if anybody doesn't know much about him, I know there are some differences of opinions when it comes to this man, but the book, the Philosophy of Andy Warhol from A to B and Back Again. I love that book. And when you read it, there's a part where it's kind of talking about his thoughts on sex and like intimacy between two people. And when I was watching the documentary about Marsha on Netflix, or not on Netflix, on the YouTube one, when she's talking about like kind of her thoughts and views on sex, they're so similar. Like I was getting this vibe of her like, just a very similar personality type, I will say, especially when it comes to those things. So I don't know. He's a very interesting character. So if you are so inclined, it's definitely a great book, too, we on the a, Andy Warhol side of it. <laughs> we love a good book recommendation. Yeah. And you're really good about that. You're better about that than I am. With I the think. Books? Yeah, with the books. <laughs> I think you're better about that than I am, for sure. Like, I do the occasional book, but usually it's an audio book that I listen to to get me back and forth from work. And interestingly enough, that was my original recommendation. Oh, really? For this week, and then I got kind of obsessed over the hot ones, but Trixie and Katya. Yes. They did a book. I, really? Yeah, they did a book. It's, oh man, hold on. Hold on, hold on. She's got to look it up. Yeah, she's got to look it up. I have it in my notes. Really, really entertaining. Really funny. Of course, they're I just, love them. they're just hilarious. And they're hysterical so good anyway. together. Trixie and Katya's Guide to Modern Womanhood. Awesome. Yeah, it's it's okay. actually really good. I really recommend it. And if you do end up doing the Audible version, it's only like three, three and a half hours. Okay, so it's fine. a quick I listen. Yeah, you can do that in a day. Yeah. And maybe I'm sure the next trick we go on. It may be. And I'm sure it's a quick read as well. Mm-hmm. So really good book. I really enjoyed that. But mm-hmm. I think you're better about bringing like real content to book recommendations than I am. I'm like, it's these two drag queens being really funny. So... <laughs> Uh, yeah, this is just Andy Warhol's mind and how weird it is. Well, I shouldn't say weird, but like different it is. Creative. He's a creative, interesting character. So yeah, that those are the things that I watched, the things that I would recommend, all of that. There was also, if you folks get out there and are maybe just like looking for anything that you can watch and absorb that tells the story of Stonewall and Marsha P. Johnson's involvement, et cetera, et cetera. There was an episode of Drunk History. Oh, that's right. I forgot you told me that. And I want to I want to watch it. The facts were good. Well, yeah, the it's not story exactly the... was told appropriately. There were a couple of cringy things about the casting. I can see that. Because, of course, these are transgender characters mm-hmm. that are not being played by transgender actors. Mm-hmm. So content warning there to you and any of the listeners. It was entertaining because Drunk history is, is entertaining, <laughs> yeah. but yeah, not, not appropriate with Trigger regard warning. to who they cast to play these characters. Yeah, that's upsetting, but yeah. that show can be pretty funny. So yeah. I'd like to see what, how it's described by yeah. drunk people, I suppose. <laughs> well, and I learned a couple of things that really? I, yeah, didn't know previously. So like okay. I said, good information, just a poor choice. Cringy. Yeah, poor choice <laughs> of, of casting. 
All right. Does that bring us to the end? I think it brings us to the end. All right. I well, think we're done. Happy Pride, Ashley. Happy Pride. Oh, and we're doing another pretty monumental. I get to take my turn here soon. Absolutely. Absolutely. We're going to work on that, but it's going to be relevant to what we're celebrating this month. That's exactly right. So stay tuned for that. And if you know Ashley well, you (laughs) can probably guess, but uh, we're not going to tell you because we're not going to spoil it. We want to thank you all for being here with us to hear this story, this amazing, important, monumental story for the community, Mm -hmm. for the queendom. It was fun to tell it. I'm glad that we finally took the leap. Yeah. And happy one other pride. Thing. Yeah. One other thing. <laughs> one other, two other things. Happy pride. Happy pride. Yeah. Go out and slay, queens. Go out and slay. Just not. Just not each other. Not each other. Not an activist. Not a local drag queen. Not anybody. Not anybody. Nope. You know what you should do other than going out and slay. Donate to our Patreon. Oh, yeah. Donate to our Patreon. Donate to our Patreon because we're going to donate that to a great queer charitable organization. We are. Yes. Okay. Okay, bye. Bye, folks. (laughs) I'm going away, but I won't come back on a lonesome railroad line. But I can't forget that sweet little girl who sleeps in the pines and-